0: Turn to Acts chapter 17. Take a break this week from Philippians. And it's probably a good idea this morning in particular... To remind you or tell you something that you might not have suspected, I'll bet you kids wouldn't guess that when I preach, I'm not only preaching to all of you guys, I'm not only preaching to you and your parents, you know who else I'm preaching to? Nope, that's a good guess. He doesn't need me to preach to him. (laughs) You know who does, though? I do. When I preach, I preach to myself as well. A number of years ago, I read a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman. And... In the book, he explains how the news is not actually what we generally think of, information. That's what the news is, what we've been trained to think the news is. But he says, actually, the news is entertainment. The news is amusement. And you can tell that's true because... So much of it has nothing to do with our lives, no impact and no possibility of there being any impact on our lives. So news, if it's to be information that's useful to you as opposed to simply amusement, would have to have some sort of bearing on your life. But it doesn't, almost none of it does, and therefore, since it doesn't affect us in any way and there is no action for us to take in response, there is no change in our lives or our plans, you understand Every week you can read crazy news stories that catch your eye, right? You might see something about a murderer being arrested who killed somebody decades ago. Or maybe it'll be, you know, missing body or... And it could be anywhere in the country, right? Why do those things end up all over the news? Because it makes good entertainment. That's why. The book Amusing Ourselves to Death was written the year that the founder of Facebook was born. Think about that. It's a long time ago, long before Facebook existed, in other words, right? And yet, the book has only become more important for Christians to understand. And Postman is no Christian. But he helps us to see ourselves. He holds up a mirror for us so that we can look at it and be like, ah, I don't like what I see about myself. And so he's helpful in that way, and the book has only become more true in the age of the internet. Now today we're going to read Luke criticizing the Athenians for spending all their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. Those naughty Athenians, how foolish, how silly they were. All they did all day long was tell and hear something new. You think, didn't they have a job? Didn't they have anything better to do? And then you think, wait, this is what people do at their jobs. They look at Facebook, right? This is why you have to set up filters to stop them from going to all the sites where they can tell and hear something new. Right? This problem of news simply being entertainment is quite old. Postman was convinced that something had changed fundamentally with the technology of the printing press and with the technology change to television. And he's right, there has been a major change, but if you go to his fundamental issue, which is that news is entertainment and there's something wrong with that, thinking about it as being important when it's really not important, that is a very old, old problem. In that sense, there really is nothing new under the sun. So let's think about the Athenians. Let's see what we can learn from them about this obsession with news. I want to think about three areas in particular. The first one is being gossips and busybodies. I'm going to have to define that, those for you kids Some of you kids are really good at being busybodies. And it's not good. The second is wasting our time on pointless things. And the third is the religious nature of our entertainment, the religious nature of our entertainment. That's where things get really deep, a little bit harder to think about. Well, let's see what God has to say to us through Luke about the Athenians as Paul is in the city of Athens. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Acts 17, verses 16 through 21. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. And also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. Some were saying, what would this idol babbler wish to say? Others, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Isn't that a beautiful little insertion there? What would Paul be preaching besides Jesus and the resurrection? But the, Luke inserts it here because it's like he's pointing out that that is really strange. Very foreign to the Athenians, this idea of resurrection. Let's keep going. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is which you are proclaiming, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. So we want to know what these things mean. Now all the Athenians... And the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. You remember that there is a kind of learning that is condemned by God in his word. Those who are always learning but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. Always learning but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. There are some people who work very hard at learning, 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 learning. There are many more of us that don't even have that kind of self-discipline or a curious personality, if you want to put it more positively, uh, for the rest of us. It's just a difference in personality, right? Here the Athenians are, and... They want to learn. But what do they want to learn? They don't want to learn something old, like the good news of the gospel. That's old. In their context, it's actually a little bit new, so they're interested in hearing what in the world this strange guy Paul has to say. We haven't heard this before. It's a new thing, right? And so that's part of what motivates them to bringing him in, but is their motive good? Is their motive actually good? Well, let's think about gossip or being a busybody. Wanting to hear something new and wanting to tell something new go hand in hand, don't they? We get a thrill out of being the first to be informed, the first to hear the secret. And then we get a thrill by being the first to tell the news to somebody else. Did you hear? Now, it's one thing if the, what follows, did you hear, is, did you hear there was an earthquake in California? Okay, that's not gossiping or being a busybody, right? I mean, that's just news in general, right? Now, mind you, unless you're planning on going to California anytime soon, it also has no bearing on your life, right? I mean, how much time do we really need to spend studying and reading and thinking about California and earthquakes Here, on the Ohio River. But what if, did you hear, is followed by, did you hear what Jane said? Did you hear what Tommy did? Gossiping. is being excited about the news and wanting to hear it first and share it first. And in particular, the news of personal interest stories, right? You you know what I'm talking about. Getting into the details of somebody else's life, again, has no bearing on you, doesn't affect you in any way, shape, or form, right? It's just the fascination of peering into somebody else's life. And gossip also has with it a uh, an aspect of being brutal, doesn't it? brutal to the person that you're gossiping about, talking about somebody for the sake of your own personal entertainment, but at their expense. It might simply be a fact of some terrible thing that happened to them, and it might happen to be something good that happened to them, right? Right? It could be anywhere along that continuum, really good, really bad, or anywhere in between, the news that you're talking about with so-and-so, but it is purely for your own sake, you're, you're feeding off of them. being a busybody is similar to that kind of gossip there's a little bit of a difference to being a busybody being a busybody means not just that you are spreading the news but you're you're inserting yourself into their business right now this kids i think is where you need to listen up, because you all need to learn what this word busybody means. We have been reading Anne of Green Gables at our house, and there are some gossips in that book, and there are some busybodies in that book, but one of the things that Stands out to me, and I've seen it a couple of other places in old books, is how the adults will not put up with children coming and telling them something that one of their friends or siblings did that was bad, even if it's true. They call it telling tales. Telling tales. Do you kids know what it means to tell tales? We today sort of think of that as lying. Telling tales means that you're making something up. But the way that it's used in these books is actually the way that we use the word tattletale. And when you tattletale, it doesn't mean that you're lying, does it? When you tattle on somebody, you're telling what they actually did that they weren't supposed to do to your parents, right? Isn't that what tattling is? And I thought it was so interesting that these parents in these older books and adults simply will not put up with any amount of tattling. Even things where you're thinking, Boy, I think I'd want to know that. They just say, no telling tales. No tattling. Tattletales are not allowed. And do you know why? It's because tattling is being a busybody. It is inserting yourself into somebody else's business. And we shouldn't learn... You shouldn't learn as kids to be worried about what somebody else is doing. You should learn to be worried about what you are doing. Right? What you are doing is what you need to worry about. You worry about you. Before any of you smart Alex say, but I am my brother's keeper, yes, you are your brother's keeper. So, how in the world can you care about your brother without being a busybody and telling tales, tattling? This is one of those really confusing things as a kid. (laughs) And you know what? It doesn't get any less confusing when you're an adult. So pay attention, and let's think about this. What does it mean to be a busybody and a gossip as opposed to being your brother's keeper, caring about your brother? Or your sister and loving them. Well, that word love, that is the start of the difference, isn't it? When you go and you tell your parents that your brother punched you, what is the motive for telling? The motive is your desire to see them punished because you're angry at them. Is it love? Are you being your brother's keeper? Oh, Mother dear, I just thought that you really should know, that you would want to know, because I love my brother so much, and I don't want him to grow up to be a robber, a thug, a bully, or a murderer, you may need to discipline him for he is hitting me. It doesn't matter how big you dress up the words, does it? What's actually going on is you're just mad at your brother and you want him to get in trouble. It's not coming out of love, is it? So we have one Very important word to start with in deciding whether what we're doing is being a busybody or being our brother's keeper, right? Love makes all the difference in that. Do you see any evidence of love in the Athenians in their interactions with Paul, and they're bringing him to the Areopagus, wanting to hear what he has to say, wanting to hear and tell something new. You don't get any hint of love there, do you? You certainly don't get any indication that they care about one another or what's going to happen to one another. You see idols all over the place. This is what was making Paul gnash his teeth like, I cannot believe how many idols there are here. But you don't see any evidence of them loving one another. Telling and hearing something new, and the excitement that you get from that is trying to feed off of other people, not loving them. How do you communicate? No matter the method, you might communicate face to face, by phone, text message, group text, Facebook, Skype, letters. Does anybody know what those are? How much does a stamp cost today? Does anybody know? Nobody knows. Seriously, raise your hand if you know. We don't know. Hey, hey. we got a two-year-old. He's raising his hand. <laughs> Nobody knows. So letters are right out. But we've got lots of ways of communicating, don't we? Lots of ways of communicating. I think group text, Facebook, Facebook and Twitter, the more people you can involve at once, the easier it is to gossip, isn't it? First Timothy 5.13 warns us against this. It says, at the same time, they also learn to be idle as they go around from house to house, and not merely idle, but gossips, and busybodies talking about things not proper to mention. Now, gossip and busybody leads straight into that second little addendum on the verse that not only are they talking about things that are none of their business, they're also talking about things that are not fit to mention. This, of course, is the place where all of our pretense at reading the news falls away. And we know that everybody knows, including ourselves, that all we're doing is just engaging in running as fast as we can after the lust of the eyes. When you start reading about the entertainment news, it's filled with garbage, Things that are not fit to be printed, things that are not fit to be read, things that are not fitting to talk about, not proper even to mention. Because underneath all of the glitz and the glamour is the nasty seedbed of impurity and lust and greed and all of the seven deadly sins, if you want, Right? They're all there and they're in, because of all of the money that's available, right? They're in their most extreme grotesque forms and we can read about it and watch them and laugh at them and be gossips and busybodies engaged in talking about things that are not proper to mention. The latest junk that some actress says about her husband or former husband or vice versa is not just a ridiculous waste of time. Which, of course, is the other thing that you see in that verse in First Timothy. They learn to be idle and they go around from house to house being idle. In other words, wasting their time. But it's not, it's not just a ridiculous waste of time. It's also things not proper to mention. Now, I said there's three things. First one is being a gossip and a busybody. So kids... The first thing to remember is no tattling. No tattling. But the second thing is wasting our time on pointless stuff. We just saw that in that 1 Timothy verse. But we also see it many other places in the Bible. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says, Therefore be careful how you walk. Be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So think about that. The days are evil as evidenced by the junk news in the entertainment section, right? The days are evil. You look at that and you're like, ah, they did what? Oh, wow. That's wicked. I'm going to live vicariously through them. Now, not only is the news and the things that we're reading about wicked and therefore demonstrating that the days are evil, but it's precisely because the days are evil that we are reminded to make the most of our time. That's literally what it says. Making the most of your time because the days are evil. And instead, because the days are evil, we're tempted to waste all of our time on stuff, things not proper to mention. Communication technology is, of course, ground zero of where you see wicked communication. What we're talking about here is idle babbling, which they're accusing Paul of doing, right? (laughs) Being a busybody, being a gossip, being a time waster. The Internet is ground zero because it's a communication technology. Facebook is the epicenter of ground zero, or mm, maybe Twitter is. I'm not sure. I think Twitter is. I'm going to go with Twitter because I got off Twitter, so obviously Twitter's worse, right? I'm more holy because I've left behind the epicenter, and I'm now standing one foot outside of it. Surely we've seen the problem. And in fact, often we complain about the problem. We say, I don't like it. And yet, like a dog returns to its vomit, we're back on Facebook the next day. What? Can we not go three days without reading the gossip? Can we not go one week without reading about things that are not proper to mention? Do we really have that much time to waste? Now, the answer, of course, is today, in this wealthy country, we have hour after hour after hour to spend on whatever we want. Even those of you who think you have the least amount of time have so much more time than people thought would ever be available early in this nation. Not even early in this nation. It is sort of funny to read stories like Laura Ingalls Wilder writes, you know, I mean, wow. I mean, they just never stop working. It is and nothing none of it is easy. You read Farmer Boy and you just think well, I think, man, that food sounds good. There's a lot of good food descriptions in that book. But but you think, wow, what a lot of work that took what a lot of work that took and so here we are we've got so much free time today and yes you know i'm i'm happy to acknowledge i'm happy to admit that the internet is a helpful tool for giving and getting information I mean, that's Communication technology, right? It's good at it. It's instantaneous. But that doesn't mean that the information that we are giving and receiving is good. A number of years ago, We were talking, this is when we lived in Indianapolis, we were talking about the Indianapolis 500. And Tate was three at the time, and he piped up and started talking about the 300. Well, there is no Indianapolis 300. There's the Brickyard 400. So I informed him that there's an Indianapolis 500 at the same track. There's the Brickyard 400. He promptly said, I looked it up online and there is. <laughs> he he appealed to a higher informational authority. <laughs> of course he was wrong, he was making it up on the spot, right? Ah, but was he? Let's look it up online. Oh, in fact, there's the Royal Purple 300 race in California. The problem isn't, of course, you know, it's California. It's like the earthquakes. Who cares? I don't mean you shouldn't care about people. I'm just saying it's not your life. It doesn't affect you, right? The problem isn't that we shouldn't be communicating with one another. The problem is that we shouldn't be wasting our time. If you have free time, make the most of it. Make the most of your time. Because if you don't, you will find that What you're doing is not simply wasting your time, not simply amusing yourself to death, as Postman would put it, but you will find that you are worshiping an idol because there is no way to give yourself to gossip, to being a busybody, to viewing and and looking at things that are not proper to mention. There is no way to look for a way to waste your time. Of course, it's easy to find, right? But that's what we do. We're thinking, I don't want to work. I don't want to do something hard. So let me just find something that I can do without thinking. That's what amusement means. A, meaning not. Muse, not musing not thinking, when you think about our entertainment, you think about all of that stuff that you can waste time on and that we do waste our time on, then you begin to realize how religious that entertainment is. For many years, I've read and studied and thought about how Facebook figures out what information is going on your feed. I, I, I can't stop. Maybe I'm wasting my time. I don't know. But I think that it's important for us to understand that this is not an accident, what we're being fed does that does that make sense? It's, it's not an accident what we are being fed. And that's what goes on your feed, in your feed. Your feed, you know, like you're a cow. They put feed in front of you, you eat it. That's your feed. If you just think that way, you might be helped a lot in thinking about Facebook. Oh, they're feeding me. I don't know that I like what they're feeding me. Maybe I should go find something better to eat. Just like farmers are intentional in what they put in the feed, and they don't put junk in, Facebook is intentional in what it puts in your feed. So, let me ask you a question. If you wanted to keep people coming back to your site forever... Because that's how you make money, is advertisements. The more eyeballs, the longer, the more money there is. This is the capitalistic way, right? The reasonable way for a business to behave. If you wanted to keep people coming back and coming back and coming back and coming back and never, ever stop so that the money would never stop, what would you want to know about those people? you want to know what they worship. You need to know what they worship. Because the moment you know what they worship, you have a direct line into a hook that is set deep in their heart. And all you have to do is give a little tug It's already set. This is not, this is, this is fishing for dummies, right? You don't have to wait for the, see the nibble and then give a good hard yank. No, it's already set. The hook is in. It's deep. If you're worshiping something, there's a line running out of your mouth. It goes down into your heart. It's, there's a hook. It's set in there. And anybody who knows what that line is connected to can just grab it. And there you go. Because you worship. How could you stop yourself? The only way to stop that is to get rid of that hook, to start worshiping something else. I'm not going to... I'm not going to attribute more more evil and more intelligence to Facebook or the people that work there than is right to do. Uh, let's just say that we all basically worship and are tempted to worship the same idols. And it's really easy for computers to find patterns. And that's all it takes to figure out what a whole culture worships, is to just sift through and look for patterns, and pretty soon you have a hold of all of the lines. Satan may have been thinking that way. After all, we are dealing with principalities and powers. After all, with Satan, we are dealing with a conspiracy But nobody at Facebook has to be thinking that way. <laughs> and yet, they've got a hold of every last line. More recently, it's come out that the, the, the people who view the content and moderate it have to spend their days looking at Things that are not just not fit to be mentioned, not proper to mention, but far worse than that. And you read stories about how messed up their life is after a few months working there. And what you realize is that our idols are perverse and they get more and more dark, they get... Deeper and deeper. And that people desire to see things that are horrible. Because why? Because our hearts are desperately wicked and deceitful above all else. Who can know it? The content moderators at Facebook know it. What about Google News? What makes for a good article? The same thing that makes for a good advertisement. Promising people something that they long for. How many headlines? How many how many fake news articles about weight loss drugs? Does it take for us to really be like, like, okay, I think I've, I think I've seen this one before. It should only be one because we should see with our eyes right through to the idolatry that's behind it in our nation. And then we shouldn't be surprised that people are so, so gullible to fall for these things. Why? Well, because all that we're seeing is people are worshipers, and when the heart is desperate for the thing that it worships, it's so easily deceived, it's not even funny. And so when Paul goes to Athens... What does he do? He preaches the gospel. It's something new. Not everything new is just automatically bad. There's a whole category of people that wants to think that way. All right? Not true. Here Paul is. He's preaching something new. And the Athenians need it. They need to hear this gospel. But if people hear the gospel in a culture that's given over to worship of a billion idols and anything new is, is grounds for making a new idol and putting it on the next corner as the city expands, and that's what was Athens was. I mean, every corner there was another idol. And so as the city goes, gets bigger, then you... add another idol. Well, what are you going to add? Well, I heard that somebody came back from Africa last week, and he said that down there they worship the grass. Let's plant some grass over there. I mean, that's the level at which this progresses, and that's the level at which new idols are formed on Facebook. Twitter, I don't care where you are. That's how quick we are when we're just desperate for something. You run and you run and you run. And of course, your heart is never filled. None of this worship can ever bring you lasting joy or pleasure. So if you speak the gospel into this, it is proclaiming a strange deity. It will be completely foreign to everybody. You will be... You will be very strange. The words that you speak will be very strange to the watching world. But ultimately, what does it have to say to us? It, what, what Paul ends up saying to them is basically, all of this stuff is meaningless. Meaningless. Everything that you've been worshiping, everything that you've been building up towards, everything that you've been working so hard to grasp, it's all meaningless. All of this stuff is meaningless. All your time is being wasted because all you're doing is, and listen, this is God's word, not mine. He uses the word all about the Athenians. And I think that it's quite justified for us to say that today. All the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. I think that that is an accurate description of the United States today. And yet, it's meaningless. All your time is being wasted. Give up seeking after your own pleasures and worship the God who made you before it is too late. That's the gospel message. And yes, it's strange. Yes, it's new. It's new in our culture, even though it should be old. And yes, there's elements of it that have been found by the Stoics. And there's elements of it that have been found by the Epicureans. And they couldn't get along. (laughs) But the God who made you changes everything. And no longer do you have to be running after all of this time-wasting worship of news. Instead, you can seek God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you will be fed. You will be filled. You You will have joy. And you will be strange. (laughs) And people will make fun of you and think that you are somehow some sort of extremist. Take a step back and ask, who is the extremist? The one who spends two hours a day scrolling and clicking? Let's see if there's something new. Google News. Oh, there's something new. You don't say. (laughs) Or the one who spends two hours reading God's Word. Who's the extremist? The one who wants food and wants it to be good food? Or the one who can't wait for the next Twinkie and eats 500 of them a day. That's the extremist. In a world of Twinkie eaters, get steak. Let's pray.